Yeah, you are back. But now we've gone down a rabbit hole of Night of the Roxbury. Isn't that what that's from? Where do you go, 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 my lovely? That's the same song, right? <laughs> you know that, like, house techno? That house techno is coming back. And I'm here for it. Welcome back to another episode of Win Some, Lose Some, Resiliency in Real Estate. Lila? Amanda? Button up, Buttercup. You don't have a button up on today. Not today, girl. How's it going? What'd you do today? Um, what did I do today? I did some work this morning. Picked up some keys for a client that closed yesterday on property. I was with our guest earlier um hopefully taking some new headshot photos that she will approve of you're a multifaceted um, woman photographer well you know and um now i'm here with y'all when did you do photography because earlier you were saying you haven't done it in a while or something and i don't I, think yeah, i knew so, about this past so basically <clears throat> when my kids were between the ages of newborn and I don't know, up until I got my real estate license, really. That was kind of what I did as a form of income. So it's kind of my side hustle. What subjects? I did mainly families and children, lifestyle photography. Some senior portraits, you know, thrown in here and there. And some a couple of weddings, like, you know, just a little bit of everything. Will you talk about what your senior portrait looked like? Um, I only ever did it for a friend of mine's daughter. And they were super cool. You didn't have... Se- you didn't have senior portraits for yourself. Oh, my senior? Oh, my God. No, I want to know about Lila's. Um, well, I need a visual of Lila's well, senior portrait. Well, if you Google my name. Sure will. There's a photo of me that comes up and I am laying in the grass with a bunch of rose petals around me. And it looks like the American Beauty movie. That was from a photo shoot that I did for music a long time ago. You might be able to find it. It's been a minute. But I totally use that as my senior picture. Because I thought it was cool. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. No, I just see your wedding pictures of you and Nina at the air park. Oh. I didn't know you guys got married. Did you get married there or did you take pictures there? No, we, just, we got married in our backyard. Oh, that's right. We took I, pictures there. I remember you getting married in your backyard because I was singing in sync in my backyard. I remember you messaging me on Facebook because we weren't really like friends yet. And you were like, were you the one throwing out all of the jams last night? So many that jams. Oh my yeah. gosh. And and we, I mean, we weren't next door neighbors. It was a bit of a, on the other side of the street. I mean, it was a, down that was the a street. Four, five, four or five house stretch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of fangirling here because I've never Googled Lila. <laughs> oh, this is very exciting. That's a conversation for another hour. It is. It is. Okay. Okay. So really, who we have in our presence today is country superstar Lila McCann, featured on my mom's favorite movie of all time, featuring her second favorite actor, Harry Connick Jr. of all time, Hope Floats. Her number one favorite actor is Gabriel Byrne. So really, my mom loves a classy gentleman. Do you remember Hope Floats? Yes, I do. Mm. Lila. I know. Lila's a celebrity. Mm. Today, we have our friend Denise Moore, and Denise is an expert real estate professional with Benchmark Realty. She specializes in providing unique strategies to buyers and sellers based on their individual needs. 
She has a passion for first-time homebuyers and helping Black families build wealth through owning real estate. Denise recently obtained her real estate broker's license and is carefully crafting her next move to make an even bigger difference in the Nashville community. So thank you, Denise. You are wonderful and you're looking glamorous and I'm so happy to be spending time with you today. Thank you for having me. Did you like that line of house that I'm carefully crafting my next move? Carefully crafting? Mm -hmm. You need to put the popcorn in the microwave, sweetheart, and let it start popping. Pop time, Lord. Pop time. the dang corn, girl. So... So what is what does that mean? What are you carefully crafting? Um, I have some moves um, that I'm looking to make, but I'm not I'm not ready to disclose those. Oh, okay. So be sure yeah, to. I'm gonna have to come back for another session. Okay. Once once all of the uh, once all of the she'll be back. Corn has been popped and the cats are out of the bag. So yeah, be sure to check out Denise on social so you can yeah. stay up to date with all of the tricks that she has up her sleeve. Soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. So Lila and I were talking just a little bit before we started recording, and she was telling me that you are a part of NAREB, and I just want to hear about that organization and the history and what they're accomplishing, what you're accomplishing with them. If yeah. you could just talk a little bit about that. Thank you for asking. Uh, I really appreciate the ability, uh, the opportunity to talk about it today because it's important to me. So NARAP stands for uh, National Association of Real Estate Brokers, and um, it was founded um, back when real estate professionals could not be realtors. At, at a point in time, and lots of people don't realize this, the National Association of Realtors did not allow Black real estate professionals to be a part of the association. But you had real estate professionals that were helping Black families to buy real estate, and they were running into obstacles and having a hard time, and they decided that they needed an organization to help each other, to come together, to give each other support, uh, and that's when NARAB was founded. I didn't even know NARAB existed when I became a real estate agent, and I jumped right in with uh, Greater Nashville Realtors and started volunteering, giving back, and then found out about NARAB and thought, I probably should be over here too and participating and giving my time, talent, and treasure. And mainly what we do is we support other Black real estate professionals and make sure that everybody has an understanding of what's going on in the market and the special things that Black families are struggling with. Some of the things now is, you know, appraisals um, and appraisals that sometimes don't come back like they do for white families or white sellers and, and what we can do about that. Because a lot of times it's just the lack of resources or it's the lack of knowing, you know, how do I battle this? This is crazy that this is happening. That's some of the things that we tackle. Uh, resources for lending and for loans. Sometimes uh, there's a need for down payment assistance. and we just need somebody that's going to work in the trenches with us a little bit before we can get to the closing table. And so we support each other in that way to make sure that we are, at least a part of our business, we are focusing on Black home ownership. My passion, however, which I haven't even gotten to jump in as, as much as I'd like to, is keeping families in their homes and educating families on how to truly build wealth. Because when I grew up, the goal was to pay your house off. That is, that's what I learned. Like you buy this house and you pay it off. You stay in it and you pay it off. 
And that's not what wealthy people do, you know? Um, that, that would be my passion is to help families now understand, you know, once you have built up all that equity, how to use that equity and what other people use that equity for to help them become really wealthy, like putting their kids through college and purchasing a second home that becomes an investment property or helping your kids put a down payment on their home and then you're really starting to snow the snowball effect will really start taking place. And so that's a lot of what we're trying to do in NARAB. And we're just in a building phase now and it's very exciting. So I'm excited to be a part of it. So how many members um does NARAB have? I mean, I guess in, in comparison to like, you know, the greater National Association of Realtors. I love that you asked that question because I happen to know both of those Great. <laughs> Both of those numbers. I happen to be on the membership committee of both Greater National Realtors and also the membership committee of NARAB. Okay. And at Greater National Realtors, we just recently went over 6,400 members in the Davidson County area, 6,400 realtor members. And at NARAB, we are inching up towards 100. Wow. So the disparity is, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that number was so low. That's in Nashville. And, and, and some of the barriers, you know, is that there is a requirement to be a part of Greater Nashville Realtors. By your, when you get your license and, and your broker, you, you're required to be a member. And to be a part of NARAB, it's a choice. It's a choice. I see. And so. It's additional time to go to meetings. Mm-hmm. Additional money. A membership when they're like, I'm required to do this over here. Why would I join this other one? Unless it's something that you're passionate about, that you really want to make a difference in your community, which sounds incredible. It sounds like you guys are, but a hundred of you, that's like a, it's a very small army, very small army. And so my, I hope my contribution, um, over the next couple of years, it's helping to grow the numbers. So when did NARAB start? Did it start out of the need to help Black homeowners overcome some of the obstacles that they were seeing um, since Black people weren't able to become agents? So like, when did NARAB start? This past Saturday, we just celebrated 25 years of the local chapter being a part of the national chapter. So 25 years ago, the way the story's told is seven professionals got together at TSU downtown and came together and decided that they needed to make a difference. And one of the founding members uh, was actually honored this past Saturday night uh, at an award ceremony. He's been working for 25 years in the Nashville community trying to accelerate Black home ownership. 25 years is such a baby. It is such a baby. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much history, though, man, you'd be you'd be shocked to hear some of the stories as to why, why it even needs to exist. You know, one of the stories that I like to share, I just shared this at lunch today with a friend, is that when soldiers came home from the war and the GI Bill was first introduced, less than 1% of the Black soldiers that came home were actually being able to take advantage of the GI Bill. And it was because of redlining and because of deeds and restrictions that did not allow them to purchase in certain neighborhoods. And there's so many stories that just explain why we are where we are today. And if you don't know the history of it, then you don't realize 
why you should be involved in helping collect it. And a lot of it still happens. They've just put a different name on it. And that is really upsetting and sad. Yeah, it. I think what's so sickening is that that history is a baby, is so is still so recent. Um, and yeah, that there are so many additional hoops uh, for Black yeah. owners to overcome. It's so real. Well, it sounds like you're taking, and NAREB is taking the steps to hopefully have conversations that lead to change. We could talk all day about that and yeah, and hopefully solve it one day. You have a very special relationship with your daughter, Jasmine. Yes, I do. So only child? Yes, yes. We are like team one and done. Tilden's an only child. I'd like to know if Jasmine was here with us right now, what do you think she would say her experience is or has been like being an only child? Ooh. Let's see. She'd probably talk about how she always wanted a sibling. She always wanted a sibling because it's kind of lonely. But then I would interrupt her. <laughs> and I would point out how you don't like being around other children because she likes to be the adult and around adults. How old is Jasmine now? 32. I thought she was younger than that. No, I'm old. Are you guys still pretty close? Okay, so I just told this story to somebody how, and you need to beware because this may happen to you. Um, the aliens will come and take your child away, okay? The real child, the okay. child that you love, the child that's so obedient, and you have such a great relationship, and the aliens come and take them. <laughs> and then they they are I don't know what happens to them they they turn into somebody else what age what age did the aliens abduct well I think it differs for Jasmine it didn't happen until she was 18 and so I thought it wasn't going to happen oh yeah because I think it happened for a friend of mine at like you know 14 and 15 they hated their moms they slammed the doors they did whatever and it, it didn't happen so she got all the way to graduation and I thought we good. I'm not gonna. This is not gonna happen. I'm for home me. free. It happened. Oh, we didn't like each other. <laughs> it was bad. Well, at 18 though, what? So she was going away. Did she go to college? She did go to college, but still, it was bad. It was bad. I I was I know nothing. I did nothing right. I didn't know how to make decisions. My her life was horrible. It was bad. She was texting you between classes though, like, "Mom, I hate you," because she's she's out of the house oh. to me. Yeah. She's like. What could oh, go wrong? But you know, like, it's time to come home for summer break. I don't want to come home. Oh, well, where okay. you got to live? Well, will you help me pay for an apartment? No. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Well, I'm not coming. Oh, and so okay. she doesn't come and she gets an apartment and then she gets in financial trouble. And oh, she would kill me if she heard this part, by the way. So, oh, she won't. Anyway. She won't hear it. Yeah, she won't hear this part. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But then <laughs> the aliens bring her back and drop her off and she and Jasmine again. I think that happened about six years later. Oh, so it was a good chunk of time that where it was rocky. It was way too long a time. How was that for you? I went to counseling. <laughs> yeah, sure. Good I, for I'm you. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on here. And um, I had a professional say, well, I don't know what to tell you. You seem to be pretty high functioning and this is what she's choosing to do when she's an adult. And looks like you're doing fine, Mom. She's just got to choose the right way again. 
I'll stop paying for that. <laughs> so have you guys have you guys talked about that tumultuous six years? Have you guys reflected back on those times and like cleared the air? Oh yeah. Luckily we are we're in a place where we can talk about it. But now we are very good friends and we talk daily. So talking about overcoming challenges, being a parent, what are challenges that you're overcoming right now, whether personally or professionally, that you're finding most rewarding? Ooh, you know, I, I think professionally is where I would go with that question. Um, and I think what's most rewarding right now is that when I left my corporate job in 2019, I just decided I wasn't, I'm not going to work in corporate anymore. I'm not going to do it. And I had a little help deciding um, because my mother's health was failing and either me or my brother had to take care of her and uh, it ended up being me because he couldn't. And, and when I went into real estate and decided to do real estate, I thought, this is going to give me something a lot different. It's going to give me a uh, work-life balance. And that was my why. It, it, it ended up being my why. I will say when, I will say when I work, who I work with, what I do, whether it be buyers, sellers, investors, you know, what I wear, when I have meetings, all of that is stuff that's tied to working in corporate America. And what I find rewarding now is that I have been successful in probably the three most tumultuous real estate years in history <laughs> and got to stick to my why. I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm still here. I'm going to work. The universe is going to send me what I need and I'm going to be successful. And I woke up this morning and I said who I was needing, Lila and Amanda and, you know, when and you know, punching the clock for anybody. So that's what's rewarding for me is that it's working for me. And that's always been the scariest part of being an entrepreneur is stepping out there and whew, trusting it. Taking the jump and uh, losing the security. A steady paycheck. Of a salary. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's very cool. And I think a lot of the agents that have started in the past two to three years have already bowed out. A lot of the new agents are, are already saying, I'm done. So yeah, you're you're ahead of the curve. You're you're facing the headwinds mm -hmm. instead of letting them take you down, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, can't take me down because I know where it would lead me back to, and I'm not doing that. So, how have your priorities shifted um, going from corporate to being an agent? I think my priorities are probably more on me as a person and my happiness and my well being and my health. I just didn't have that. I didn't have it ever. I worked and I spent money to make myself happy because I made money and then I just go back and work and that, that's all I could do because it, it was it was a job that required me to work 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week and there was no time for me. So my priorities, um, I'm still very <laughs> kind of rigid and corporate-like in my everyday, uh, the way that I work, which I think is good, but, but I'm doing it for me and not somebody else, but I have time. Or, you know, I stop and take the dog for a walk and talk to my neighbors and come back home and make some lunch and go take some headshots and go to a closing, visit a podcast. I think some of that schedule corporate rigidity, take a teaspoon of that and throw it into being self-employed, I think is probably helpful because you're used to showing up at a certain time and a certain amount of discipline and 
a little bit of a grind, you know, but I think you nailed the difference is that, man, now it's for you. And so if you can take that structure and bring that into the fire and the passion and the why of, oh, I'm I'm doing this for me yeah. and my family and making some changes of taking care of my mom yeah. and yeah. being a great example for my daughter. I mean, God, that's a it's that's funny. a fire. So I'm again, I'm not surprised that you're finding great success. It all makes sense. It's very clear. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. I was gonna go back to Jasmine. And by the way, she is my number one referral partner in real estate. She has sent me more deals than anybody else. Thanks, Jasmine. Yeah. Mama loves you. Yeah. Mama <laughs> keep buying those tiny tickets. Keep sending me referrals. <laughs> so what do you what do you do for fun? What do you do to escape? What do you do when you're feeling stressed? Where do you go? What's fun for you? So I gotta say, I had to relearn that. Did you guys have to relearn that after COVID? I feel like I just forgot what I did for fun. And last year was weird for me. I was like finding myself again and, and realizing, Denise, you like to go out. You like to listen to music. And you, you know, I love to cook. I like to entertain small groups. I don't I do not do big parties because they stress me the hell out. If I have more than four people at my house, then I don't sleep the night before. <laughs> I think you're so right, though, Denise. I don't, I don't know if it's just COVID or if it's life and, you know, getting older and getting into the swing of things and then you know, life ebbs and flows. So it changes. And when you said like, what do I enjoy? And I was like, God, what are my hobbies? What do I even enjoy anymore? What am I into? What do I like to do? And, you know, obviously I'm social. I do like to meet with friends and hang out and conversate. And I'm, I'm similar to you. I love to, to cook, whether it's for my family or my wife or a handful of friends. But I'm like, I used to like to get lost in the woods. And I used to love to run and I don't, I don't know if I like any of that anymore, but if I don't like that, what do I like? And I need to start trying to figure what that is out because I'm missing something in there for sure. My next door neighbor is playing gigs again. And so, um, she's playing at D's and I went to see her at the five spot a couple of weeks ago and some more neighbors went out with us. And so I'm like, I'm relearning like what I enjoy doing, but I do, I love working out. So I try to make it to the gym three, four times a week. It's not um, a chore for me. I like doing it and I like to cook and eat and go out. Oh my God. Cocktails are my thing. I'm pretty sure I was a bartender in a former life. What's your drink? What's your drink of choice? Moscow Mule is my drink of choice. Or tequila mule. Shout out to our sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. The Village Mub. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast is is win some, lose some. And so I want to know where are you, again, where do you feel like you're really winning? You're coming out on top, kind of what's fueling you um, and where, where are you really struggling? Like what's, where are some of the losses coming right now? You know, winning is, you know, I've got, I've had some really, um, how do I describe them? Like I guess strong clients that endured the, the market and like they just stuck with it and it didn't scare them off and you know if you're gonna stick with it I'm gonna I'm gonna be right here with you and so if it takes 12 days of showings and 30 houses and six offers and you're up for it I'm up for it let's do it and I think I'm winning in that way um I just recently I think the education piece 
it's a big part of who I am. I like to learn. I'm an advocate for, for learning, and I don't let that ever stop. So getting the broker's license wasn't just about becoming a principal broker. It was about learning and making myself better. Uh, I think I'm winning at that. Where I'm struggling, I think, is, I don't know, I want to help more people. And in Nashville, there's no such thing as a, a entry-level home anymore. That's, that's devastating for, for millennials. And, you know, I, I consider myself cre- a creative in that way and just trying to figure out how to get people to see that it's okay if you buy a condo first or a townhouse first or you buy something with a friend and then you split the equity later on. Like, it's, it's like you're the dream crusher when you even mention that because that's not what they really wanted. But, you know, there's nothing else for them right now. So it's a, it's a real struggle because they come to you thinking, you you're really good at this. How can you help me? Especially when they're going to cool bars and they're like, oh, we want to be close to 12 South or we want to be close to the Gulch or we want to be close to Five Points. And this is where we have spent the last few years of our life and coming out of the pandemic, just like you said, they're refinding. Oh my gosh, I'm reconnecting with friends. This is important to me. I want to be within walking distance. And even clients that are relocating, I want to be within walking distance of something. I'm like, all right, well, walking distance of something starts at $700,000. Mm-hmm. It does. And I feel like I'm struggling big time with that. But, you know, can't give up on it. Got to figure out a way to, to help people. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing really, really great things. So thank you for all the time and the energy that you're putting into really making a difference. And I hope that your why continues to fuel you for a really long time. I think I lost my why for a second. I think the stress and the frustration and comparison um, really get the best of me and can overtake the rational, really why part of my brain. And that's just the reality of being in a sales position. It's easy to to dim that light. And so I hope that that light, getting a little bit teary, I hope that that light is a really strong flame and keeps to burn and keeps burning really bright for you because I think that you're awesome. Thank you. I loved being here with you guys. Can we play a game? I hate games. I'm like not a game per not a game person. I like individual <laughs> sports. I like running by myself. That's right. And roller skating by uh-huh. myself. So we have a, a win some lose some playlist on Spotify. Songs that either pump us up, help us wind down, or sit with us in the sadness. And Denise, I think, has my favorite five songs. Uh, we've got Kane Brown, Lauren Hill, Fuji's, uh, <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion, who, speaking of running, she I do these uh, Nike like headspace runs, and she has a few runs on there, and she's so fantastic. Um, Janelle Monet, I like that. Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson. So I want you to pick one of these songs and talk about what the song means to you, why you picked it, when you listen to it, what one of these songs is for you. Ooh, that is so hard to pick one. Okay, I'm going to pick Janelle Monet, and I like that. It just takes me back to when, you know, maybe even grade school when I wasn't, didn't feel really pretty or popular and She's all confident about herself in that song. And she's like, you didn't like me. You rated me a six. And what's up with that? And my mom couldn't buy me designer jeans. And, you know, and she just, she was so confident talking about, I like it. 
I don't give a fuck me anybody else does. And so it just, it gives you confidence and it makes you look back over your life and just go, why did I even care about what people thought? I like it. And I don't know. I love it. What a gift. Like if I was Janelle to hear you say that, like, oh my God, like, I love that song. It's so empowering. I listen. I have listened to it with Tilden. We listen to some inappropriate songs, but I deem them appropriate if they do what you just said that song does for you. Yes. It's like they say a couple bad words, might not be fully elementary school appropriate, but the way that that song makes you feel, which is the same way that it makes me and a lot of people feel, that trumps everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, she's one of the people that's uh, unapologetically her, which is my number one crush on anyone who's unapologetically them. And she, she full bodies that. And I think that might even be a reoccurring theme through all of these. Exactly. As a surprise to our guests, we always want to close out an episode with a message of encouragement and or love from someone influential in our guest's life. So we have a message here from Jasmine, Denise's daughter, and I want to play it for you guys right now. Hi, this is Jasmine Moore, daughter of Denise Moore. I wanted to say a couple words about my mom and how motivational and how awesome she really is. Every step of the way, every single day of my life, she has always taught me customer service and the gratitude and courtesy towards other people. She includes that in her life every single day to love and be understanding of everyone, no matter what walk of life they come through. And she embodies that in her life every single day. So is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Anything that you want to promote or say? You know, I, yeah, I do want to say that um, women, I feel like, are under attack right now. And I think we need for everyone to stand up for us and our rights. And I'm not just talking about abortion rights. I'm talking about just rights in general. And it's when it's easy to make it sound like it's just abortion rights, we got to know that it can be anything. It can be anything and it will be anything if we don't stand up and, and support. And so, you know, home ownership. I, we didn't even talk about this, but my mom bought a house by herself uh, when she divorced my dad in the 70s. A black woman in Oklahoma, unheard of. And, you know, we can go back to a place to where it's difficult for single women to purchase homes on their own. We, it could happen. It could happen. And so I don't know. I just, I need for us all to know that when, when we all aren't free um, to make decisions about ourselves and our lives and our bodies, then none of us really are. Well, damn, I'm sure glad I asked. Very well said. Thank you for all the work that you're you're doing to move homeownership forward for everyone. Well, thank yeah. you guys for doing this. This is amazing. I hope it just blossoms and gets so big that you don't know what to do with it. That's what I hope happens. Well, me too. The first thing Amanda will do is hire a producer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That I accept help. We're so glad that you were here. You're the best. We love you. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Win Some, Lose Some, Resiliency in Real Estate. If you believe in the mission of this podcast to talk about the wins and losses of life and real estate, please share with a friend that could use a reminder that they're not alone in their struggles. Also, rate, like, subscribe, comment, D, all the above. Just pick a random bubble like a Scantron. Also, be sure to visit winsomelosomepod.com for a list of all of our episodes and email winsomelosomepod at gmail.com if there's someone you think we should talk to. Lastly, let us know if you'd like to work with us because we'd love to work with you. Win some, lose some together.